When you are building something no one has ever seen, something no one has ever imagined, who can you turn to for help? The answer is the other people who are facing the same issues you are. Those product inventing, boundary pushing, design obsessed folks who are just like you. Welcome to AWS Startup Stories. I'm Michelle Kung. And I'm Michael Copeland. What follows are the tools that work, the leadership practices that make a difference, and the lessons you only learn by building a company. And one more thing, what startup jockeys do with a very rare item, their downtime. So let's get to it. Tool. Practice. Lesson. And something to do when you aren't neck deep in code. Welcome to the AWS Startups Podcast. We are here with Emma Weston, who is the CEO and co-founder of Sydney, Australia-based AgriDigital. Welcome, Emma. Great to be there, Michael. I wish we would could have done this in person. You are in Sydney, Australia. I am here in the Bay Area. And uh, through the magic of technology, we are talking right now. So how are you doing? I, you know, Let's start there. Is everything kind of settled into a routine or not routine and, and you're doing okay? Yeah, look, we are doing pretty well in Australia overall. So there are no complaints um, as compared with the, the rest of the world. And I think, you know, at AgriDigital, we're obviously a digital first company. So it didn't take us too long to be able to move very quickly to remote working. We've got an upcoming product launch, actually, which we might get into later. So there's a lot of heads down and tails up at the moment. And we're finding really good productivity through this remote time. So um, it's actually been okay for us. That's great to hear, actually. And, and you know, we, we are in the cloud business, so we, we kind of understand where you're coming from. That's for sure. So tell us about AgriDigital. You have this interesting background that it seems is kind of embodied in AgriDigital, where, you know, fintech and financial services meet, you know, agriculture. So tell us about AgriDigital. Look, AgriDigital is really simply a company, a technology company that's focused on digitizing and de-risking global agri-supply chains. And we focus on the grain and cotton industries uh, with an intention to grow by commodity, but that's our focus at the moment. So we started the business in late 2015. We launched our flagship product in 2017. So we're a couple of, you know, a couple of years into having product in market. And the key problem that we really are solving for is small to medium enterprise participation in global supply chains. So making sure that farmers, that smaller traders, buyers, consumers of commodities, logistics companies, elevators and storers of commodities, warehousemen actually can participate in a digital supply chain because the key aspect that our customers tell us that is limiting their growth is twofold. One is access to simple, secure and cost-effective core supply chain operations technology. And the second is working capital to support their growth. So at AgriDigital, we've looked to combine that into one platform. And effectively, that's what we offer our market. And it doesn't matter whether you're a farmer or whether you're a trader. And actually, it doesn't really matter the size either. We offer the same simple technology in terms of being able to manage commodities into supply chain. We hear this term digital transformation, which frankly, I'm I'm not a huge fan of, but it sounds very applicable in this instance where the agricultural industry, yes, it's been a data-driven thing in, in some ways, but it hasn't had that transparency or and or that speed, it sounds like, that you guys are offering. If you had to describe kind of the shift that you guys are in the middle of and also kind of pushing people toward, what does that look and feel like? 
at its most basic level, it's actually a movement from manual, from paper-based data gathering and record keeping to a digital platform. That's at its most basic. But underneath that is something that is much more important, which is a single source of truth data layer that is built upon over time in the supply chain. So we're really looking to cure for the fragmentation and the loss of data Uh, and therefore the loss of efficiency within supply chain in terms of information about our commodities, about trading operations, about pricing, about quality, about quantity, all of those aspects that make supply chain work. You talked about access to funding too, and not not, not knowing the agribusiness or the farming business very well. You know, I grow some commodity, I sell it, it's being transported. Is that where the, the sort of squeeze happens? There's a, there's a delay and, and what happens as a result of that delay? Yeah, it's a really good question. So if we just take it from a farmer's perspective, you're absolutely right. Farmers have crop intentions. They have a crop plan for the year. So they go ahead and they plant, uh, they grow that crop. And there's quite a lot of good core technology now on farms that supports um, production and yield management. And then they harvest that crop. And where we really fit in at the farmer level is the last line of digitization um, and data management, which is really what happens to that harvested asset from when it leaves the field or the paddock till it enters the supply chain, which could be storage on farm or it could be selling to a trader, selling to another buyer in the supply chain. But there's actually very little software or platform capability to actually manage that process. So if we think about where that happens, what what that means from a finance perspective, the core issue is that the commodity asset itself has not traditionally been used by financiers as asset backing for the provision of working capital. And the, the reason for that is that the financier has not been able to have a good view of that commodity. It's very hard to know where that commodity is. Is it secure? Is the quality and the quantity exactly what uh, is being claimed? And that's, of course, what underpins a lot of the value of that commodity. So we've developed with our platform the ability to do commodity-based credit assessments, if you like, or commodity-based financing. So we don't rely on traditional credit assessment based on balance sheet analysis or your profit and loss over the past five years, we only want to understand what is the commodity and can we understand where that commodity is, how it can be valued at any point in time, and can we secure that commodity. So the data layer that sits in the agri-digital platform enables us to do that and therefore to be able to combine both supply chain technology with financing. But you are not holding a commodity at any point. You're not establishing the pricing or how involved in that are you? We don't establish pricing, so we're not a marketplace from that perspective. That still occurs in whatever form it may take in the various geographies that we operate in. And market pricing tends to either happen via an exchange or via a broker, a consultant. Um, There may be prices that are published. There's actually a variety of ways that buyers and sellers come together. And rather than try to standardize that aspect of supply chain, what we've really focused on is being able to enable the transparency of that pricing to then flow through to the financing. Right. So this, you ingest all that data and make, and make it work on behalf of your, your customers. This sounds like uh, I, can, I can see now why blockchain and, and ledgers are, are kind of a part of your business. How did you get into sort of the blockchain world and how did you think that this was a good application for blockchain technology? From an agro-digital perspective, we got into blockchain really early, right back at the beginning in 2015, and started experimenting with what was in a really novel technology. 
And the reason for that was that straight away, because of the experience of myself and my co-founders, and, you know, I haven't kind of introduced Ben and Bob alongside myself, but, you know, I am, as you said, the CEO and co-founder at AgriDigital, but I've got two other co-founders. And the three of us are longtime grain supply chain participants, as well as we're all farmers ourselves. So, you know, we've got about a combined 90 years of um, participation in supply chain. (laughs) There's quite a bit of gray hair, actually. So a lot of lessons learned over that time. But what we do know is that supply chains are, you know, absolutely decentralized. They're fragmented. There are data silos throughout supply chain. And it really, when you have a look at the structure of supply chain itself, it seemed exactly like the kind of model which blockchain was designed to assist and to look at where there would be efficiencies that could be gained through the use of an underlying technology. So that was what kind of brought us to blockchain. I'm not a technologist by background. So I just started with literally with meetups and calling people and speaking to anyone that I could who was working with blockchain or interested in blockchain or writing about blockchain or speaking about blockchain. You know, you name it. I just really, it didn't matter where they were in the world. I just wanted to find out more about this technology. And I had two kind of focus areas to begin with. One was trying to understand what were the typical use cases that blockchain looked like it could assist. And the second one was how easy is this technology to work with? Is it something that myself, you know, not being an engineer can, can use straight away? And the answer to that pretty much is no, right? It's actually (laughs) a pretty complex technology, but that then led us to make some product um, and business decisions on the back of, you know, those two focus areas. Now, you say you, you and your co-founders are, are rural farmers. What, what do you farm? Yeah, so for me, it's grain. We have a family farm. It's about uh, six and a half, seven hours drive from Sydney. And we are pretty traditional grain farmers. So it's wheat um, in Australia. That's one of the main grains that's grown here. Also chickpeas and lentils, legumes, canola, so oil seeds as well. And then Ben, one of my other co-founders, he has a mixed farming operation. So he also has livestock and has just actually implemented regenerative agriculture practices across his farm, which is really interesting for him because he's a sixth generation farmer and, you know, is making some pretty fundamental changes to his technology on farm as well as his, his general farming practices. Wow, that's great. I, you know, I wish I were a farmer, but I certainly eat plenty. So thank you for all that. That's right. Thank a farmer for your meal. That's what they always say. So I have a company building question and then we'll get into these kind of four questions. And you guys are, you know, you have legitimate backgrounds in farming. Um, sounds like Ben does as well, obviously for six generations. How did you know that this would be something that your, your customers were really keen on? And how did you start thinking about how to develop that product? And did you get an immediate embrace from potential customers or did they have to wrap their heads around it in some ways and you take them along? Yeah, it's a really good question. So our previous history, actually the three co-founders altogether, this is our third business. Uh, so we have been involved in two previous ag businesses, which were actually getting increasingly more technology focused over time. And one of those businesses we sold to CHS in the States, actually, which is the largest grain grower co-op in the States. Uh, Another business was sold to the New Zealand Stock Exchange. So we've always ourselves valued data and understood that 
for farming and for supply chain to get where it needs to go and particularly for farmers to be able to participate in the next iteration in the next agricultural revolution that they had to become really savvy and be managers of data and to be able to participate beyond just growing the crop it wasn't going to be enough just to grow the crop anymore that wasn't going to be the success point per se so I think we had some direct expertise ourselves just because of our time in the business and our, you know, our networks and, and the previous business success that we'd had. But, you know, obviously that is not by itself enough. And when we started AgriDigital, we realized that our thinking was probably a couple of years ahead of where the thinking in the farmer market was at that time. And so we really focused on traders, buyers, and elevators or storers of grain initially, who we knew had really core operational problems around digital transformation and understood and were grappling with that right now, you know, today. Um, And then we tried to build the product out in a way that we could welcome farmers onto the platform and, you know, create network effects through the platform and then look to deliver a specific application for farmers down the track. And that's actually happening this year. So we have our first farmer application, which is called Waypath, uh, being launched in late June. For those of us on the outside, we always hear about how farming is just a really hard job. And speaking from what I read, at least around the United States, that, you know, farming as a uh, multi-generational kind of calling, as a business, it's just hard. And so how do you see what, AgriDigital does and kind of the approach that you guys are taking, making that business, like you say, bring it in into the sort of the present and the future. And how do you, how does it become sort of more sustainable, more profitable, not just for farmers, but for, for, for those of us who, who benefit from what they grow and, and then we get to eat it at the end of the day? So let me start with the end first, which is how does it benefit the consumer? Um, it benefits the consumer if we have a really competitive supply chain sector you know, that we're growing diverse crops, that we're making, you know, many different types of food and bringing that to market and that the consumer has positive choice in the market. So we actually want to have SMEs, small to medium enterprise, participate really strongly, you know, not just the bigger incumbent guys um, and the big multinationals. So first of all, that's what I'd I'd make that point. But in terms of the farmer, let me just concrete it because uh, we have the reason that we have Waypath uh, showing on our website is that we have a really core early adopter group. So we've had it in beta effectively for almost a year. And one of our farmers in the US, this, this brought it home for me, he literally has a boardroom table, which is about three yards long. And he puts 25,000 pieces of paper on that boardroom table every year as part of his farming practice that needs to be data entered into some kind of system. It needs to be kept as a matter of record. It needs to be sorted through uh, so that there are keywords and tags, um, you know, that can be put to each piece of paper. And that basically, you know, costs him one whole person, if not one and a half people, plus his own stress around what went missing. Um, through that process. And, you know, this farmer said to us, if you can clear my boardroom table and I don't have 25,000 pieces of paper anymore, I would consider that a success, but that's only the beginning for me. So, you know, that really, that really brought it home for me as to what the early successes can look like. Yeah. I look at my own uh, dirty household now that we're at home all the time. And I shudder just thinking (laughs) of my business running like that on top of a table. This is your third startup. Is that right? Yeah. All right. So you are a veteran of this. And so, uh, and then you're also a mentor to other start founders, um, I gather in Australia and, and beyond, it sounds like as well. 
yeah, I really enjoy participating in the startup community just more generally. You get a lot out of mentoring. It's, it's not really about the giving per se. I think there's just so much sharing that happens as a result. So I'm yeah, really lucky to be working with other startups as well in that capacity. Great. Well, let's jump into these questions. A tool you use on a regular basis, sort of something you can't live without. Okay. I'm going to give you something I can't live without right now. And that is my slow cooker. We are obviously bunkered down still at home, and this has become a core tool in our family. So it's definitely the tool of the moment. And is that because you can sort of pile things in there, push the button, and then like, you know, whatever, it's slow cooker. So hours later, a meal's ready? It's that. It's the fact that anyone in the family, you know, the younger kids who are homeschooling, you know, everybody can use it. It's a tool for the masses. I like that. Whose turn with the slow cooker is it tonight? A leadership practice or routine. This can be something that you, you know, have used over time, something that you work with, you know, that works with your team at AgriDigital, but something that for you, you really find works. That's an interesting one. I mean, I think it's not necessarily a leadership practice per se, but I do meditate every day and I have found that incredibly useful. But if I was thinking really in the context of leadership and what has worked for our team, it has been runway transparency. As a startup, you know, obviously cash flow forecasting and, you know, really looking at and being aware of where you are at any single point in time and being able to galvanize your team behind those times of urgency and, and when you're looking to raise. I think we didn't share that to begin with. And we have found so much value in just being really open about runway with our team. It's been, it's been a fantastic method of bringing everyone together. I want to get to meditation after this, but when you say you didn't share that to begin with, what was the signal or kind of the thinking that that you guys decided like, Hey, actually we should be doing this. Well, we took some feedback from the team around how they could feel more connected to the mission. And it really came out of that feedback. It wasn't the only thing that came out of that feedback, but I think as founders, we had been very used to holding all the managerial responsibility. And so it became part of growing as a business and founders not doing everything anymore, I guess, that that led us to realizing that if we're going to have operational transparency, you know, let's have full financial transparency and particularly on runway, let's address that and get everyone focused around that as a metric as well. Right, right. Because then everybody's sort of pulling in the same direction at the same speed and with the same kind of, you know, intensity and, and purpose, I gather. Yeah. Yeah. No misunderstandings, right? Yeah. No misunderstandings. And we, we did do it in the context of like, we're not a bank, we're not an insurance company. You know, you have to expect that, you know, we're pre-profit at this stage. Um, we're not pre-revenue, but we're pre-profit. And so really thinking about how you move towards a cash flow positive outcome for the business, you know, and understanding that we don't want to be runway dependent in terms of investor funds. And so, yeah, it's been a really good way of bringing everyone together. I think that's really smart. All right. I want to ask you a little bit about meditation though. When and how did you, how do you find the time to do it? And, and when do you do it? Uh, yep. So I do it first thing in the morning, normally around about 20 minutes. And I'll normally take out at least 10 minutes sometime in the afternoon to just either just do a simple mindfulness practice, breathing, body scan, or um, a bit longer for a meditation practice. And I've just found that 
it's well worth taking that time for the energy and clarity that it gives you. So it's it's almost like a free option on the rest of your day. Right, right. I think that's really important that we all need to take a break, especially now where it's you're so used to just opening your eyes and going to work and then the last thing you remember is closing your eyes and then you go do it again. But if you can reset and refresh and build it into your schedule, otherwise it's impossible to get done. Yeah, absolutely. A lesson learned. Now, this can be something that you were happy to learn or something that you were like, oh, I hope I never have to do that again. This made me think a little bit. And I think the perhaps it harks back to a little bit earlier in our conversation. But one of the things that I have learned in AgriDigital over the past few years is that even though we have this large amount of domain expertise and experience across the founder group, we shouldn't confuse that with knowledge of the customer per se, and that we should use that domain expertise to gain insight from our data, not to use it for gut instinct-based decisions, if that makes sense. Because I think things are moving very, very quickly in the industry. And perhaps what we might have thought was the case two or three years ago, you know, maybe being challenged out there in the marketplace. So yeah, that's probably the lesson I've learned is not to be lazy with respect to expertise and experience, but to keep learning and testing and challenging myself again and again with customers. That's a good one. And and you can only sort of learn that over time, I think. Well, maybe not. Maybe we all just learned it right now. So um, <laughs> I've saved some people the, the, the trouble of doing it themselves or doing it the wrong way themselves. And finally, what are you binging on in this time where you might have time to binge on something? Maybe you don't still. Yeah, I am not a binger. So um, I actually think this is a massive time suck. Um, so I'm pretty disciplined about not binging in terms of, you know, Netflix or anything really, to be honest. So I would say that if I was going to say anything, I'm going to have to say that we're binging on home cooked meals. We do have them pretty much every night and we're really enjoying that. I think it's something that we will build into our routine going forward. We kind of sit down as a family now and take time out and play cards and, you know, enjoy the meal that we've made together. So not really a binge, but it's definitely something that we can't get enough of. Well, it sounds like the slow cooker is playing a big role in your lives. And and yeah, I do love the idea <laughs> of gath- gathering around the table and eating together and, and binging on that sounds pretty good. You talked a little bit about what's next in, in your product for farmers, Waypath. What's next for the company? Is, is that kind of where the focus is going and, and at least a big part of the focus? Absolutely. So we can expect to continue building out Waypath for farmers uh, for the rest of this year. We also have a Waypath for Enterprise product that we will be uh, starting to develop as well so that we will have a common platform and data set between farmers as well as enterprises within the supply chain. Uh, The other kind of aspect that is a, a bit of a watch this space, I guess, is the expansion of our supply chain finance business. So we are looking at expanding into other commodities outside of grain and cotton. There's a huge demand that has been um, engendered by you know a really strong team that we have here at AgriDigital. And so we're having problems meeting that demand at the moment and looking for ways in which we can unlock customers from other sectors who want to use AgriDigital technology and finance to grow their business. Well, we will keep an eye on that and we will sort of get back in touch, I'm sure. In the meantime, I'm going to rush out and try and find a slow cooker and uh, I'm going to start meditating. And um, I always practice uh, transparency, but uh, Emma Weston, CEO and co-founder of AgroDigital, I want to thank you so much. This has been really great. Thanks for having me, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 
do us a favor and leave us a review. And if you know someone who we should have on the show, or maybe it's you, reach out to us at startupstories at amazon.com. And subscribe to AWS Startup Stories wherever you get your podcasts.